Arts management is a little bit different, right? Yes, there are events involved because from, if it's performing art or anything that you do, events are always a byproduct and sometimes even the final product in that journey as an artist or in their, in their craft. But what arts managers really do is they sort of help uh, the artist develop what they want to do and, they, and be the best form of artist they can be. Namaste and welcome to Indian Artpreneur. I am your host Shwet Nag. On today's episode, we have Shreya Nagarajan Singh, the founder of SNS Arts Development Consultancy based in Chennai. From an early age, Shreya began training and performing Bharatanatyam under the tutelage of Guru Radha Ramanathan. Shreya completed post-graduation in arts management at the Dakshinachitra Heritage Museum in 2009. And in 2011, she completed the Asia-Pacific Leadership Program at the East-West Center in Hawaii. In 2015, Shreya was awarded the Fulbright Nehru Fellowship to pursue her Master's in Arts Management at Columbia College, Chicago. Shreya has extensive experience working with arts and artists long before she started SNS Arts Development Consultancy. So, let's talk to Shreya Nagarajan Singh. Hi Shreya, welcome to Indian Artpreneur. It is really a pleasure talking to you today. Hi Shvetnak, so nice to be talking to you. Thank you for including me in this lovely podcast series about entrepreneurs. I'm looking forward to listening to everybody else as well. Thank you so much uh, Shreya. So one of the interesting things that I got to know while researching about you was regarding your hobbies and interests. So I thought I should be starting from there. Could you tell us about your hobbies and interests? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I take my hobbies very seriously. I don't have many, but the two things that I love doing, or at least I started doing, was flying and dancing. Uh, And of course, animals and pets and sort of being around nature was something that I really enjoyed. And uh, yeah, I made one of those hobbies more into my profession and sort of dove into that, which was dancing. I've been a classical dancer for 20 plus years now. I'm I'm a trained classical dancer. I keep telling people, I'm not a dancer, I'm a trained dancer because I don't dance much for public now. I only dance for intimate gatherings. But flying is another one that I'm absolutely, like I just love the idea of flying, whether it's commercial or whether it's a private plane or whether it's a micro light, whatever, it's a hang glider. I just love flying. And that I think I get from my father because he was a lot into aviation and things like that. I'm so crazy about I even have a, uh, a tattoo of a Concorde plane because I'm, I was obsessed with a Concorde, and uh, so <laughs> it's it's my it's in my ten year plan for before I turn forty that I want to actually get my private pilot license. Uh, I started the classes a few years ago, but then I had to sort of discontinue it for various different reasons. But it's still on my list. So hopefully by the time I turn forty, I'll have a private license, uh, an arts development business, and a zoo. Well, zoo I already have. That's another hobby I have. Is my husband and I love animals. So we rescue a lot of animals who are, um, you know, hurt or, you know, or in very bad condition, mostly just from the streets. We're driving, we see a, a cat or a dog or a cow or whatever, and we try and sort of rescue it to our best ability or at least, you know, um, make means for them to go to a shelter where they can be... Um, you know, taken care of. We right now have five dogs and 18 cats, uh, and we love them all to bits. So uh, <laughs> we, yeah, so we do a lot of different things uh, apart from work, of course. Uh, but I think that's what enriches the work more is just having all these other things on your plate. Is it easy to obtain license for microlights? 
how expensive is it uh, there are not too many flight schools in india um, a few only in south india there was one in coimbatore there's one in mysore uh, and i think in bangalore as well that i know of that are good and have good reputation uh, it's about 8 to 10 lakhs to get a private pilot license and a micro flight license is a little bit cheaper micro flights are more fun because they don't have doors or anything right so it's just basically an engine on a hang glider um and so it's more fun like what you can do in the flight the fact that you can just put your hand out and feel the wind uh is is interesting but of course private pilot license is more you know for cessnas and little slightly bigger aircrafts than a micro light and then of course if you want to go to commercial pilot license uh you need a private pilot license uh to be, to begin with so okay it's it's a lot of fun I, mean, i just like being and the throttles uh, and just feeling that engine is oh my god i cannot even tell you the high i get i don't need coffee i don't need drinks i don't need anything in my life but just sit in a cockpit and I'm, i'm there okay uh, you said the animals which you rescue you isn't that also like consuming lot of your time uh, because it needs some attention at times uh... some attention is mildly putting it it needs a lot <laughs> of attention uh, but good thing is my husband and i do it together and uh, we're very very passionate about it so it's never a chore it's uh, it's like family for us you know uh, we don't have kids so far and uh, i think so we get to indulge in all of this we get to have like all these pets that we want to have and cats are more easy maintenance uh, and we were never into cats but we just they suddenly they, we felt like there was a huge population of cats that exploded and we sort of started uh, you know adopting them and then just one became two became 16 became 24 and then we sort of lost count halfway through what was happening but yeah it, it does take time but you know when we enjoy it and we love spending time with them and sort of the love and affection that you get at the end of the day uh, when you walk into that room i mean it all just uh, it's worth it and uh, it's it, it's just they're such kind beings right uh, and they're not like clients so they're going to be un- unsatisfied with you at the end of the day <laughs> so i'm like oh where are the cats bring me the cats <laughs> how many what was the number again how many cats was it 20 uh, it's 23 in total five dogs and 18 oh. cats okay. out of which a bunch of about seven cats live inside the house with us and the others all live on our property um, so they're essentially free to roam about but because we feed them and we sterilize them um, they stay within our property um, okay. and of course the dogs stay with us as well so okay very interesting very interesting shreyas you did your undergraduate in psychology then you did your post graduation diploma in dakshina chitra in arts management what made you choose art management when your passion was all about aircraft uh yes yeah, so when i finished my 12th standard the two things that i wanted to do very badly was uh, like i said it was either planes or it was dance and i took psychology because i didn't know what i wanted to do in my life and i felt psychology was something that i could apply whatever i do uh so that was sort of like i was like okay i don't hate the subject and i think i'm because i like you know the idea of psychological pursuit and consumer behavior and things like that definitely interested me so that was an easy choice for me to make because i didn't know what else to do in my life uh, i wanted to join the air force very badly but i i kind of missed the height cut off by an inch and uh, i didn't have 2020 vision i wear glasses so that was another um another thing i couldn't do but it's okay i was like okay if not a fighter pilot fine it's fine i will just have to sat- settle with micro lights 
I mean, that's what my life is. <laughs> so I think that's when, when I was 18, 19, I went for a few classes and things like that. And, and I'm going to go back to it. Now that I sort of feel like I've settled in life, I can start looking at more of my <laughs> serious hobbies. Um, but yeah, so, and I think once I finished psychology, I knew by that time, I didn't want to be a full-time dancer. I knew the market was saturated and I knew it was a little bit toxic for me. Uh, it was not a great place for me to be in as a dancer because I felt it was more about the environment rather than the craft. Uh, maybe it was just my situation, but I didn't feel it was a great place for me to sort of build a career. And I didn't see like I, I didn't feel like I would be happy by the time, let's say, I was 45 and be a dancer. And so I think, but I wanted to be in the field of the arts. And then I said, okay, let, let me play to my strengths, right? And um, and that's when I got to know about the arts management course, uh, which is at Dakshin Chitra, which is in the same city I was I grew up in, which was in Chennai. So it was an easy thing. I didn't have to sort of move anywhere. I could try it for a year. And that course, I think, uh, set me. It set a really, really strong foundation for me to build uh, the idea of what arts management was, to build the idea of culture and value. Because I had never actually sat and had history classes in the arts, right? Because nobody really teaches that in school and my undergrad was in psychology. And so this sort of, this one-year course, I got to understand so many different dimensions of the arts from Western art to Indian art to historical, um, to understanding history, Indian history in the first place. To, because from that's where you sort of see the evolution of art, uh, be it contemporary, be it fine art, be it performing art, be it literature. So I think that course laid such a strong foundation for me that after that, everything was was building on top of that. And if that foundation was weak, I don't know if I would be where I am today, but it was because of that. I noticed that you have inclination towards documentary filmmaking. Is that also one of your hobbies? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the the moving image and photography have always played a very strong uh, part in my life. And I think it's also part because I was more a visual learner than an auditory learner. So I I sort of gravitated to those sort of um, learning and it engaged me a lot, right? Uh, Cinema and photographs. And I've always, and I bought a DSLR fairly early in my life and I experimented a lot with it. And and Dakshin Chitra, again, gave me that platform to learn filmmaking, right? So one of the courses we did was filmmaking and photography. And uh, something that we had to do, a part of it was, of course, also make, um, you know, films. Um, and uh, so I made two short documentaries. One was about Padayani, um, which is a beautiful art form from Kerala. The other one was called The Goddess Explored, which is about... Uh, the Devi worship uh, culture in Tamil Nadu. Both were, one was for an exhibition and Pariyani was my thesis in my arts management course. And then, of course, I went on to sort of dab in it with another movie called Shades of Reality, uh, which is about mental health awareness. So that sort of married the whole psychology background with the filmmaking background with the arts management course. And actually that made it to the finals of the Frame of Mind Festival, um, which was run by, which was a national film festival that was contest that was happening in India. So that was a very proud moment for me. So I wouldn't call that a very serious hobby. It was just something I really loved to do. And I got a chance to actually learn and do it properly and experiment it. But I think um, then I sort of jumped more into photography because that was just easier, you know, uh, because after that I sort of went traveling around the place and uh, I became more a little bit more into how do you document arts and how do you use the video uh, format to do that rather than actual filmmaking. So, yeah. Okay. 
Now, despite having postgraduate diploma in arts management, you pursue your master's in arts management at Columbia College, Chicago. What's the reason for that? So, um, you know, the reason for that was was uh, something that I couldn't have sort of foreseen when I did that arts management course. Is I sort of understood, okay, what is arts management and how do you play the field? But I think it's only when I started working after that, I, after arts management, I did a leadership course in Hawaii, and then I went all over Southeast Asia studying about classical dance and doing a comparative study with the grant I got. And I came back and worked in the arts management field as an arts manager, as a consultant, for about four or five years. But I realized the the idea of how to build strong businesses in the arts and how to generate the money in the arts and revenue in the arts was something that I was I felt like I didn't know and I wasn't learning enough of and that's when I applied for the Fulbright um, uh, fellowship because it was really expensive to go study arts management anywhere else and um, that's sort of I, they only give one scholarship every year and uh, somehow I got that one and it was, uh, again, I went to do things like, forget, I'm not going to get it, but I got it. And I was, uh, I think that really gave me confidence in my own abilities and my own conviction, right? It built, it built a strength around that idea that I, I have the wherewithal to go ahead and do this. And um, that's why I went to Columbia, uh, College Chicago. And that, I got my degree from the Department of Business and Entrepreneurship. And it's one of the oldest departments in arts management in America. And it was exactly what I wanted because lots of people, when they study arts management, they also have to study art and curation and things like that. And I was very clear I was not interested in any of that because I'd only done enough of that in the last 10 years. I really wanted to understand how do you build a strong business in the arts? How do you be a strong entrepreneur in the arts? How do you uh, work on strategic planning, audience development, revenue generation, all of that, right? How do you build those systems? And I totally just felt like if I worked for five years in India, I would not learn that because there were no systems to begin with for me to learn from, right? Uh, and I sort of found that out very quickly, but I was trying to, you know, fight it, saying, no, 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 like somebody must be doing it right. Like, which model do I copy or who do I learn from? And I feel like everybody was trying to figure it out. Um, and that's why I said, okay, no, I have to go abroad to study this because I need to go into a system where it actually works uh, and it's a successful system and they've already made those mistakes. For me to understand that system and understand how do you apply it, uh, in India to our context, right, and to our challenges and to our um, mindsets, uh, because otherwise I feel like if you don't have that educational backing, I just feel like the mountain was too tall to climb, right, you know, it was too high, and then at some point you give up, and I, and I, I was at that stage of saying, I don't really know what I'm doing, you know, because I'm just doing day-to-day -day stuff, but I needed to have that vision, and, and I needed that education to sort of give me that strength to, to pull myself up. How long is this uh, course in uh, in the US? It was a full two-year master's course. Okay. It was a full two-year master's. Could you tell us about your experience there? How was it and what did you learn? Absolutely. I mean, I'll have to write a book, Shatnag, if I have to tell you what I learned. <laughs> okay. I mean, it that course made me who I am. That course has given me so much, uh, so many tools um, and real-life experiences for me to have absolute confidence and clarity in what I'm doing today, there is not a shred of doubt in what I do today. There is not a shred of doubt when I give somebody advice. Of course, I understand the risks, and I think that's what I tell. I said, okay, there, you have to have. There is risk involved, and you need to understand how much risk there is. But apart from that, everything that I do today 
in my company, I kind of built my my company around the masters I've done and the work that I did there. And and luckily enough, I also got to uh, sort of be a project manager for the Ion India Festival when I was in Chicago, which is a mainstream Indian. It's an Indian festival that happens in mainstream venues in Chicago. And I worked with many other people as well uh, on inside and outside the classroom. You know, people from all different communities, uh, you know, and I went to like every show I could. I went to every conference I could. I went to every meetup of arts management I could. So when I was there and I think with the backing of Fulbright, because they fund you for everything, right? They give you a stipend, they pay for your tuition, they pay for your flights, they pay for anything extra that you need. I mean, so, I mean, you're, you're so well funded that I don't have to think about it. I'm not even thinking, Hey, I've taken a loan for 50,000, you know, 50 lakhs. And how am I going to pay it? it? It, I didn't have to be in that mindset at all. Right. So it was almost like they empowered you to a point where you just had to focus on what you wanted to learn. And uh, that gave me that freedom to not have to worry about the financials. Uh, and just go for it and do whatever I wanted to do. And uh, I mean, it was a, tr- it was an, it was something that transformed me from a knowledge perspective. Because by this time, I had sort of traveled the world. I had about ten years of experience. I had, you know, you know, I, I knew I had leadership training, so I knew who I was and I knew what my strengths were. So it was just at this point, I just needed that knowledge and understanding of arts management from a business perspective. To, to sort of, you know, give me that strength and courage to come back and do what I want to do. Excellent. Uh, and after you completed your uh, post-graduation, did you work in the U.S. for some time? No, I didn't actually. So as okay. soon as it finished, uh, I think I probably took the next flight out after a week and just came back home. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Because I could have worked for two, three years. Uh, it yes. was very much there and I had the office on the table and it would have been good money. But uh, I knew the work was here. I knew the work was in India and I knew I wanted to be here. And uh, my husband and I uh, were also doing long distance at this point. And so he would come every few months and things were good. But uh, I knew that what is the point, right? I knew I was going to be in India and I was like, okay, I've already had two years of living here. uh, And I didn't want to delay coming back and starting the work I wanted to do in India. So I said, let's just catch the next flight out, man. I don't need to be here another minute. After returning to India, were you very clear to start something on your own? Yeah, I mean, I was clear what I wanted to do. So I was sort of clear the impact I wanted to have, which was sort of uh, bringing strong framework into arts management, helping artists build their uh, careers, making a strategic plan for them so they know where they're going in life. They have a five-year plan. They have a goal that they can work towards rather than just sort of, you know, waiting for opportunities to come to them and so on and so forth Uh, and also understanding how do you make an artist sustainable um, and how do you even make them generate revenue in the first place right when in such a competitive market where everybody's always trying to devalue one another or devalue their own art or they don't even know how to price themselves how do you sort of build that so i knew this is what i wanted to do uh, but I wasn't sure, do, should I do it for someone else? Should I do it for my own uh, as an as entrepreneur? Uh, and being like my family, uh, that is my mother's side of the family, they, nobody is an entrepreneur. We've always worked for other people. And uh, But my husband's side of the family, they're all entrepreneurs or business owners and they've never worked a day for anyone else. So they almost were like, why would you come back and go work for someone else? And so I think they pushed me a little bit and said, hey, why don't you try it? You know, if you don't like it, it's fine. If it doesn't work, it's fine. It doesn't matter, right? You're always going to have those offers on the table because, you know, your career, your your work so far speaks for itself. Um, so I said, okay, great. Let me just try it. And uh, and 
uh, I said, okay, uh, and I have to give my husband uh, a lot of credit and his family, of course, but my husband for sure, because he sort of, you know, when there's times of doubt, right, you're like, should I do this, should I do that, because hundred people are giving you offers, uh, and I think that's when he sort of said, you know, why don't you try it, let's do this, you know, we, so he was giving me uh, <laughs> counseling on how to start a business, and I said, yeah, I know how to start a business, but, you know, when you have to do it for yourself, it's very yeah. different, right, because your doubts sort of get in the way of your capabilities of running a business, not the work especially, and I think that's where he sort of intervened and said, okay, why don't you do this, and let's do this first, and step one, step two, step three, and I was like, great, can you just be my 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 consultant and advisor for the rest of my life, because he runs a photography business, and he's okay. been doing it um since before he even started college. And so he already has a business that's like 18 years old when I was just starting something that was very small. So yeah, it was a good, uh, I think without my husband, I don't know if I would have pushed that far, but because he was there, I was able to take those risks and uh, you know, I had the support behind me to do it. Tell us about your initial days on setting up SNS Arts Development Company. I started off not wanting to have very high hopes because that's how I uh, protect my <laughs> my self-confidence and self-esteem is I just said let me take it take it step by step I know what I want to do and it's just a question of what is the best way to do that right uh, and so I said let me just start as a one-person team I didn't hire anyone it was just me for the first six to eight months uh, doing everything um, and that was definitely tough but it built from there and uh, that's when I started, uh, you know, once I knew um, and I got clients into the door and things started, the opportunities started opening, then it was easier for me to grow the business. And then I started my hiring people and, you know, growing it very, very, very slowly. I did do a lot of the work uh, in the beginning by myself because I wanted to understand every facet of it it was not the fact that yeah i could have sort of maybe taken a loan or something and hired people but i wanted to uh, do everything i because i wanted to understand the marketing i wanted to understand what clients wanted i wanted to understand what were the problems in production i wanted to understand the framework because i want to challenge my own theory right and my own hypothetical solutions that i had to solve the problem and if i hired people and they were doing that learning i wasn't sure if you know, I would get that knowledge directly. So I said, no, I have to do everything in the beginning. So I understand uh, what the problems are and that would help me uh, form solutions um, to, uh, you know, at, at, at least in the beginning. And then, of course, you know, slowly growing very few uh, things. Today, I today we're a small team of about seven or eight people. We have a presence in Chicago. Uh, one of my classmates from my master's, Colin Herzog, he uh, runs our North American clients in that division. So he's a fantastic collaborator to have. And then I have another uh, team member in Bombay. Um, and then now one, uh, a small, very small presence in Delhi and about four or five of us in Chennai. So it's a small team of seven or eight people. Uh, but I think we're a very robust, you know, very tight team. We work very hard together. Some are part-time, some are full-time. But at this point, it's really, uh, my growth is not my intention at all. It's client and the work I'm doing for that client and how deep it is and how long-lasting that effect is as well. Okay. Uh, who was your first customer and what was your pitch to them? Uh, you know, Shutana, the good, the good part is I never had to pitch 
myself to anybody in the beginning. I felt like the day I landed, either people would want to hire me for a full-time job, which I would decline. And so they were like, okay, can you work with us on a project basis? And that's how it happened. Uh, Ramya Hari Shankar, Priya Shrinivasan, they were one of my first clients. Dakshin Chitra was one of my first clients. Bessie Cecile was my first client. So it was immediately museums, authors, you know, researchers, performers. So that all sort of came into um, play very quickly. So I never had to really sort of develop a pitch because I think I wanted to start in a safe zone. I wanted to work with people who I already knew and who, uh, because I'd already worked in the field, right, for 15 years. Um, and so I knew that everybody knows me. I already had relationships made. So it was just a question of now proving, uh, you know, putting, actually proving what I was trying to do to everybody else and, and coming back and showing them that I could do it, right? Whether that be marketing a festival or understanding how do you pitch to a sponsor or fundraising models or donor development or even donor identification and just working on setting up strong patron programs, whatever it might be. I think it, it was now a question of just, okay, I know you and you already have XYZ and now you've gone down this master's, so show me what you got. So that I was completely focused on just, you know, proving to them that I could do it. And there were a lot of people, I think, who didn't give me business in the beginning too because they were sort of trying to see if I would last as an entrepreneur for the first year or two. And then they were like, okay, you know, uh, and also that was a strategy, right? Saying, okay, I'm not going to give you business as an entrepreneur because I want you to come and join me, right? And I think it took a year, maybe I would say 12 to 16 months for people to say, hey, no, I think she's serious about this and I think this is what she's going to do. And this is not some stint uh, that you had because people knew I was capable, but they were just trying to see, you know, which is the best way that they could work with me and how much pressure they could put on me before I gave up the business and came and joined their business. Because it's it's an easier, it's, you're walking into an already existing structure, right? And I, I, was very, I was very sure upfront that I did not want to do that because whoever, if I went and joined anyone else, you know, their clients became my clients, their enemies became my enemies, and their solutions became my solutions. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be in a position where I could decide who I wanted to work with. And I'm very, very clear that I didn't want to work with a certain um, class of people or community of people. I wanted to be more diverse. I wanted to be accessible to anybody who felt they wanted my services, right? Or anybody who felt they needed help to build their arts uh, career. And I, and I think that I would have never got if I had worked for anyone else. Arts management is different from event management, right? So what is arts management? Uh, could you throw some light? If I had a penny for every time somebody asked me that question, I would be a millionaire. Uh, but yeah, I would say <laughs> I would say that all arts managers are event managers, but not all event managers are arts managers. Running an event um, is... Um, uh, it is it's a skill set that you need to have and it's a skill set that you develop and I think it's a very valuable skill set to have but it's more about running a successful event having making sure the audience and the artist has the best experience that sort of thing arts management is a little bit different right yes there are events involved because from, if it's performing art or anything that you do events are always a byproduct and sometimes even the final product in that journey as an artist or in their in their craft um, but what arts managers really do is they sort of help uh, the artist 
develop what they want to do and they, and be the best form of artist they can be right so that means that okay you have a show don't worry about anything i'm going to take care of anything i just want you to focus on whatever you're supposed to is that dance is that talking is that you know drawing painting whatever that is so you just focus on your art and i'm going to literally take care of everything in your environment right um, and that just and that doesn't just mean on the day of the event that means the three months before the event the means of telling them why are you doing this event what is the long term plan where is it that you want to go is this the event that is going to help you get to where you want to go for a singer right you say okay hey my this is my my goal is to get a grammy this is what i want to do so i'm like okay great so you're not going to get grammy tomorrow we need to build your your level of uh, skill exposure uh, professionalism everything with the, in that journey right so and then we sort of plot and say where do you need to go who do you need to collaborate with what kind of music do you need to be making in order to sort of get the attention of of the you know the grammy world and how do you apply you know you, that's how you work towards something otherwise you're just doing events ad hoc you know some years are good some, you, it's very hard you don't understand how you define success right because you're just you're just sort of flowing like a river so i think that's what an arts managers do is sort of help develop goals for artists help them understand how do you get to those goals what are the steps you need to take um and then use your own resources as an arts manager to foresee issues and problems that artists might have because that artists will not know about that and will not be thinking about that it's the pro, it is the it is the point of the manager to find new opportunity opportunities for them and constantly be revisiting that plan of action and that strategic plan to see are we on are we on track what are the kpis what should we be doing what should we be doing different what are the current trends you know where is the market going how are we going to sustain while we build this journey all of that is what the arts manager does so and i think that takes certain thinking and that takes an understanding of the market uh, and uh, your ability and network within that market it's a very long answer to a very <laughs> no no i mean i could understand the complexity that goes behind arts management what you rightly said is are you driving the market or are you be driven exactly. by the market you know exactly. so that's a good On good point what do you think we do differently in arts in india when i say we uh, compared to the west do we do it differently or are we a little chaotic or more organized uh we definitely do do it differently um because i think the way we built the art sector itself is very different right uh because arts is a way of life over here culture is a way of life over here that's not necessarily true in the west so i mean and we have such a strong history of how we practice art uh, you know how we sold art how we uh, paid for art in the past you know we had kings who would be patrons who would you know who support the artists and we had that model so we knew okay the artist was taken care of but the importance of arts in society was also established like today of course i think things are so much more different so we definitely do things very different in the west and i think right now we're in in, in loggerheads between how uh, things were done before uh, and our historical context of how we consumed arts uh, versus we're now like sort of getting into the whole world of of Netflix and digital events and you know audience development and now you suddenly have a global audience post this pandemic that you always had but now i feel like it's it's much closer that you could grasp uh, you know grasp that sort of new eyes uh, on on your on your art so 
I really think that it is different. It is unorganized. It's informal. Um, and I'm hoping that there will be more arts managers like myself who we can all come together and formalize the space together. Because I don't think one SNS is going to do it or, you know, we need 250 SNSs around the country to be working together to say, hey, this is the standard, this is the system, this is how we go about it. And help artists sort of become CEOs of their own brand in the process and uh, sort of understand how to position arts strategically because the audiences are there today. But 20 years from now, um, we got to make sure we still have audiences. Those audiences are, you know, are aware of, of the art and, and the context of which the art was pr- produced and uh, and also making the space more inclusive and accepting to, to various different communities and forms. I always wondered, uh, Shreya, that uh, we no longer build any kind of sculptures in India. I have not seen recently, okay, we build somewhere in the north or Shivaji statue in, uh, in Mumbai. Okay, that's all this mega projects which are 300 crores or 3000 crores, whatever is the budget. Why don't we build some nice sculptures in the city where it becomes an attractive spot and people go there and there is some economic activity driving but I don't see that happening now I I mean if you go to Bangalore Hyderabad for instance Charminar people all flock to Charminar for which has been a monument for the past 400 years but I don't see anything that we built in the past 100 years that is uh, you know why why do you think we have this approach because I think we underestimate the value and importance of public art and public space. And I think we've had so much, because for me, you know, public art and public space are temples, our churches, our mosques, you know, those are, and today it's malls really, right? Uh, malls are really the public spaces that people go to, right? Um, so yeah, we're not doing enough, but I think that has to be driven. It has to be um People need to understand that we need more public spaces, that you cannot necessarily spend money everywhere you go, right? We need to sort of build spaces where people are not expected to spend money. They can just come to the beach like in Chennai and hang out and and then, you know, just go back home because people don't have the means necessarily to spend money. But having more public spaces as is a first job and then putting art in those public spaces is the second job. So that has to be driven from a state and national level is what I think. Uh, right, without necessarily a political agenda, um, but really just for the sake of making more spaces for people to come. Is that being done enough? No, I agree, there's not enough being done. And that's something that we work on as well as with the UNESCO Creative Cities Network and Anujyoti is sort of taking arts to public spaces and breaking those barriers and intervening in public spaces. So it's not like we put a, you know, a stage on the side. No, we use the garden use the park to sort of, you know, we use pare and make them dance all over the park to bring people to a certain space uh, within the park to do, a, to do a program. And But, you know, a handful of people only do that. But again, you know, it's permissions. It's so much like red tape that you have to deal with. Um, but I think hopefully now with, with people like uh, Chennai UCCN and all in the mix of things, these sort of permissions become easier and people will do start doing more in public spaces. What should we do to make performing arts a sustainable venture for artists? So again, I ask, get asked this question a lot. Um, and Shwetanak, I really feel like it, sustainability is 
is a pro is is something where you have to work towards right everybody sort of calls it so how can i be sustainable i'm like it's like saying how can i be fit how can i have a six pack abs you can't just go to the shop and get it you have to work very hard and work strategically knowing what you're doing to finally acquire the six pack abs that's exactly how sustainability works you can't say oh i'll perform for free i'll do this you know i i will not charge for classes i will you know pay to perform and you know pay for my uh, pay for different festivals to get and you're not going to be sustainable because you are killing your own market right um, and you're killing your own brand and that's not how it works so again it goes back to saying okay how much money do i need in a month to survive if this is what is going to be my major revenue uh, source then i'm going to look at okay how are the other ways i can make generate revenue then i have to look at how much do i cost myself looking at the market then i say okay no okay i'm right now people are only willing to pay 10000 rupees for my performance but i want to get paid 25000 rupees for my performance how do i develop my value in the market what are the ways to do that what kind of opportunities do i need how do i prove myself to audiences saying that hey this person is good they are good crafts that they're good this they're not only good artists but they're thinking artists they're being inclusive they're they're doing they're they're you know sort of really thinking about the bigger picture only then will you know how to be sustainable if you do that and you have a plan saying okay in 5 years i don't want to be in a situation where i need to ask my spouse or my partner or my parents for money in order for me to exist and i want to stand on my own feet you got to work towards that right and so every when you have that kind of goal then every decision you make in the process is keeping that goal in mind so tomorrow somebody comes and says come perform for free but you know i'll but let's say it's a it's a program in switzerland you're like okay should i do it or not right is it working towards the goal that i want to work towards and that if that goal is sustainable then we work okay do i have to build, to build a social media following should i be investing my money there rather than buying a 18000 rupees sari for a new costume should i be like spending 5000 rupees on ads on my instagram so i can grow my instagram and you know hopefully generate money from that you know so sustainability that way is also about portfolio diversification about revenue generation diversification it's so many different things that you have to be also okay in doing you are you ready to start posting five times a week on instagram are you ready to put yourself out there are you ready to be vocal about things that other people are not going vocal about because you have to build that brand and identity within that space you know and you have to be ready to do that chumma weight lo kandana i have to be sustainable na it's not going to work compared to how you started how is your company helping the industry today I think today I have the problem which is a good problem to have is I have too many people who uh, want my services because obviously like one of the things I'm going to tell you is hey I'm going to teach you how to make money in the arts and so obviously who will not want to learn that um, but again it's not a cookie cutter model right everybody is in a different point uh, in their lives in their careers in their forms um and so it's not the same solution that I can give everyone so it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of my energy and mental space to sort of think very critically for an artist on how they want to sort of progress and proceed uh, and how to make them um, the biggest star they can be and i want to say that because not everybody can be a legend and not everybody will be a legend but everybody has equal opportunity to be a legend and i think it is that it is that trust between your arts manager and your and an artist that can together work to you know find these solutions and to be the best version of themselves they can be 
in uh, in that in that you know in that market. So, really looking at what I was trying to do in the beginning and what I was trying to do now. In the beginning, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I could help build strategic plans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I was also at that time sort of just uh, gauge because I was also I, I was also away for two years, right, between 2015 and 17. So when I came back in 2017, I said, before I just jump in straight, thinking like, okay, I understand the market because my knowledge was still two years old. So I sort of for the first to six, eight months, sort of just went around looking where are the leaks in the pipe, right? Where 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 are things not working properly, and what are those solutions, uh, and what are artists comfortable and ready to do? I'm ready to give you a very radical solution, but are you ready to do it? Are you ready to trust me? And I think that's what took a little bit of time for me to understand the artists and the artist psyche of how far I could push them to be different and how far they were willing to trust me. And I think they took about a year or two for both both sides to figure it out, me and them. And uh, all I'm going to say is that the clients who have trusted me have done better and have achieved our goals, whatever their goal was. I never come into a thing saying, hey, you should have 100,000 followers on Instagram. That's not my goal, right? You tell me if that's what you want to do. So we have various different tools that we use, like the futures exercise and so many different tools that I learned in my master's and continuously can, uh, learn from just online, right? Figuring out how to develop a plan and goal setting. So once we do that, I and that I completely let the artists dictate what they want to do. Right. Um, and I think that's something I've learned is that, you know, to, to work completely to the goals of what the artist has. I might feel the artist can do 10 times better or I might feel the artist is trying very hard to do that, in which case I will advise them. But at the end of the day, they say, no, this is the goal. This is what I want to work towards. I will I will work uh, towards them. But it's when the artist trusts me and when there is true collaboration, right, and there's true um True uh, synergy between the artist and the arts manager. That is when that is when success is is most likely to be achieved. And I think that's what I've gotten better at. And I think now my track record has also proved that when artists come in, they're already ready. They're there. I don't have to sit and prove to them who I am or what I can do or what I'm promising to do for them, etc. And I tell them anything. I can try and do everything for you, but if you are not willing to put your trust on me and let me be your brand ambassador, it's not going to work. Excellent. Do you have any book recommendation for uh, artists uh, that they have to read? Because one is artists are trained from this Guru Shisha Parampara or they can go to some school and learn their dance and music or even painting for that matter. But to understand the other side of how to flourish in a market or how to come about growing yourself in the market, do you have any book recommendations? Most artists are not going to sit in read about management because that's not what they're interested in right but what i would tell them is you have to stop be a little bit less on social media and be a little bit more on news apps right so i would say read um read magazines like the economist read magazines like the arts management network right they have a newsletter which goes out every month which is a global network which tells them exactly this right follow instagram accounts like tech in the arts looking at innovation in the arts looking at how ai is changing the arts looking at how the market is going i think for that you don't really need to read a book you just need to have a pulse on what is going on and for that if you just follow certain 
publications, uh, magazines, uh, authors, for example, who work in the arts, you'll know you'll know where it's going, and that sort of gives you ideas on. on. So I I would say you don't really need to study the management aspect. You need to know where your art is going because I'm not the artist. I'm the arts manager. You might look at uh, let's say an AI bot that's helping uh, artists sort of market themselves, right? And you will get an idea of how to use that for your own brand or to develop an artwork around it. Or maybe you have an issue with it. Or maybe you think it's going to help you. Uh, but so instead of me telling you that, if you can also, if the artist also, you know, starts to think about it critically, which is what I'm trying to do for them, basically, then it's even better, right? Because we have much, much stronger ideas and exchange of value. Otherwise, remember traditionally, you're playing some Kalyani Ragam and I come and tell you, hey, you know, there's this AI bot that can help you become like your own brand. They're just going to be completely disconnected from what I'm saying because they have no idea, right? And they're like, AI bot now and now. Let's just <laughs> just get me the next gate, please. You know, will you just get me into the Sabha in, in Calcutta or Delhi or something? And I'm like, yeah. okay. So I think that's what if artists expose themselves to. I think that's all. that's all that needs to be done. Okay. And uh, the last question, Shreya, what, according to you, should the entrepreneurs entering this sector be focusing on? I think they need to understand that um, being an entrepreneur is very high, high, is very low, low, so be ready for that. And when you walk into uh, the entrepreneur space anywhere, and especially probably in the arts, the first thing that people will tell you, and people have told me on many occasions, is you can't do it. This is not a solution. This is not how you're going to invoke and create change. Um, but, you know, listen and uh, sort of use that and see why are they saying you can't do it, right? Why are they saying that what you think you can do is not possible? Don't look at the negativity, but look at what they are trying. What is, is there really relevance and is there a point that they're trying to make that is your blind spot? So look at that differently. And I really think at the end of the day, collaboration moving forward. If there are 25 different SNSs or 250 SNS type companies in India, if they're all working separately, it's never going to work. Collaboration is key. We need to work together. So we're all forming the same systems together. If everyone forms a separate system, I mean, like, there's no point, right? It's still an informal space. We, How do you make informal spaces? By truly having educated people who are on the same page creating a system that is good for everyone. That is not necessarily good for a particular type of artist or a particular community or people who have access to funds. It cannot be a very black and white system uh, like that, right? And we all know at the end of the day, how do you develop the arts is funding. How do you find different ways to fund the arts? How do you champion the artist? How do you sort of, you know, be uh, provide democratic solutions and uh, platform for artists across the across the world, specifically but also across India, because it's so vast and it's so spread out, right? If we can work together to form a framework that would help us achieve it, and even if that's going to take us 50 years, I still that I still think that would be so much more helpful. But we cannot do it without the support of of the state and the country right it has to be state and central support that needs to have conviction and faith in a strong model for arts management for artists uh, it's not just something that can be driven by the private sector is what i 
Thank you so much Shreya for taking time and uh, you know walking us through your journey and uh, telling your opinions about arts arts management in the country and what we should be doing. I think it was a very insightful discussion uh, with you and uh, I think the podcast listeners will have a lot to take from this episode I'm very sure about it. Thank you so much once again for coming to our show. Thank you for inviting me for this series for nobody's ever asked me about my hobbies in flying so thank you for letting me like be narcissistic and talk about myself for the last 45 minutes. <laughs> thank you so much Ashwin. Thanks Sagate. So that brings us to an end of episode 6 of season 2 The Resilient Entrepreneurs. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation on Indian Artpreneur. Do not forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for quick updates. We catch you soon on our next episode where we will be talking to entrepreneurs from performing arts landscape of India. Have a good day.